You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. We're in this season, like Gwen said, where we're, um, we're trying to break down some misunderstandings, um, some things that we might believe unconsciously that like are, are just like commonly held beliefs. And we're calling it things Jesus never said because sometimes people put these beliefs on, they project them onto the church or Jesus. And we want to, we want to kind of break down the misunderstandings so that we can keep getting freer, live into this freedom in our life in Christ by discovering what Jesus actually is saying and doing. And so the, the phrase, the common phrase for tonight is everyone is entitled to their opinion. I think this one is so pervasive. I think it's just everybody believes it, right? I've heard it. I hear it all the time. It's very, um, very believable um, because everybody's valuable, everybody's important, and that's totally true. Um, So my first thought about this was like, okay, Okay, fine. I'm not even going to really argue this one. I, I try not to argue too much with specific opinions anyway because I think everybody is precious to God and lots of people generally have great opinions like all of you right here. But mostly I try not to argue too much about particular opinions because I, I kind of agree with the Apostle Paul um, in that I'm not... He said, I'm not coming to you with, like, amazing, convincing arguments. I'm, I'm not um, – and he really could. He was a really smart guy. Um, but he said, I'm coming to you in weakness and vulnerability so that your faith won't rest on the wisdom of men, of people, but on the power of the Spirit of God. So I try not to argue too much about particular opinions because I think – what really transforms people is the Spirit of God, not any particular well-stated opinion. But this, this uh, reading the scripture made me think, okay, well, what is, what is God's power doing then? What is mainly, like, what is Jesus trying to say? What is the demonstration of the, of the Spirit's power? Because, again, I think that's the best part of the series is, is discovering not what Jesus didn't say, but what he is saying. Um, so if he didn't say everyone is entitled to their opinion, what did he, what did he say? And I think, I think again, Paul, Paul describes it really well by saying he's, he's calling us to unity, regardless of what our opinions are. He's calling people together with his own body given for us. Um, to bring us to him and to each other. And that unity and togetherness and reconciliation is the best opinion. (laughs) I think he's saying unity is the goal of all opinions um, that is better than the opinions themselves. Being together with God and each other is the whole point of the gospel and why we're here tonight. So I I love how Paul says it that because because Christ died, 
we're called not just to live for ourselves and our particular opinions, but for him and for each other. We're new creations. You can read here. You probably have before. Um, Jesus is reconciling everyone to God, and so we are given this ministry of reconciliation to, to keep calling people together around Jesus. So reconciliation is what changes the world, not great opinions. Everyone coming together with Jesus for the sake of each other. So everyone being entitled to their opinion is okay, I guess, but it might not get us to that unity. It might not bring us together. It might leave people too autonomous. And, and we are taught in the United States that autonomy is power. So it's not that you, uh, just that you are entitled to your opinion, but nobody, no, nobody should be allowed to argue with your opinion. That's how we think about it. And I think that actually that entitlement to this individualistic power actually leaves people very lonely. Um, I was reading in the New York Times yesterday that um, social scientists and doctor, like medical doctors are making connections about this obsession with our autonomy and they're connecting loneliness. Um, Britain even has a minister of loneliness now. Um, they're connecting. Yeah. I know, it sounds crazy, right? They're connecting. <laughs> All right, let's not make fun of the Brits. <laughs> they, they do make good movies. Yeah, so, so what this article was saying is that um, social isolation creates more stress hormones in the body that they're that they can link to dementia and heart disease and high blood pressure and um, they were even connecting it to the opioid crisis here in the United States but they said it's more lethal than smoking 15 cigarettes a day and that's a real bummer because a quarter of Americans live alone now a quarter more than Half are unmarried, and lot, as you know, lots of social and community institutions have kind of fallen out of popularity in the last decade. I mean, not just decade, the last hundred years, as we don't know who to trust, they've fallen out of popularity in favor of our autonomy. So these doctors are finding out we're actually designed more for togetherness than for autonomy. But that revelation is very different from the prevailing national and economic philosophy that kind of undergirds the phrase, everyone is entitled to their opinion, as I see it. So if we break down the words, the main words in the phrase, I think we can see more of how it kind of comes up short and how we need a better theology than this. First, let's take the word everyone I think we can all agree that everyone has never actually meant everyone. Socially speaking, historically, um, doesn't usually mean black or brown people or women or children. I think this is, this is changing a little bit, but 
um, this, the historical narratives in my kids' textbooks are, are, are not written by everyone. <laughs> they are written by those who have power and privilege, um, who have been given that. And, um, so I think we can agree that the opinions that have gotten the most airtime and, and pretty much ruled the world up till now are not really by everyone. Secondly, that, that word entitled, I think, is just so fraught. It's very problematic, as we like to say. Everything's problematic these days. Millennials get labeled as entitled all the time when I think they're probably just being smart and don't want to get run over. They want more than the boomer generation has left them. They actually want to have a good job and buy a house, you know, and not be in loads of insurmountable debt. So I think it's funny how they are fighting back with the OK Boomer memes. And I can say it because I'm apparently the Gen X just watch, sit back and watch the world burn kind of people. I don't think that's actually true. But... Millennials are responding to this accusation of entitlement by saying, no, it's actually you boomers who, who thought you were entitled to all the privileges, the, you know, college for $400 a semester, and um, you're so entitled to your comfortable life now, you boomers, that you're like totally out of touch with reality. So the entitled accusation, it just goes around and around, you know? It, and I think it insults people we don't want to insult, and it deludes people who don't need more deluding. So I don't even want to argue about entitlement or try to define it. The whole scandal of the gospel, I think, is that none of us are entitled. Jesus is Lord. We don't actually have to try to be king we, we don't have to take the bait or eat the apple. It, what, what do we really have that we haven't been given? We're not, we're not entitled. And then lastly, that word opinions. I think that's a tough one because I, it has the flavor of free speech, and I love that. I think that's really important. We as a circle of hope think that's really important. That people that we can dialogue, we can say what we think and feel. But I think the dark side of that is that um, in the democracy, opinions are kind of like all supposed to be equal and not necessarily like assessed or criticized. You know, like I think sometimes it's considered morally righteous or even loving to just like let somebody have their opinion right not to like argue with them and I think that's problematic because you could actually grow to hate somebody for their opinions and we would defend that that right to hate them and leave them alone over like having the conversation or challenging the opinion so you can see how how like divisive it can be so in sum, I think that, that this phrase, everyone is entitled to their opinions, is just, it's just not good enough because it allows the dominators to dominate. 
Um, if all opinions are pretty much equal, then the people with the most money and education and um, social capital or luck can rule the world, and they pretty much do, right? You know, I think this is how, like, guns can be in everybody's hands these days, even though it really makes no sense. But even worse than, than the dominators dominating, I think, the worst part of this philosophy is that it just can keep people isolated and alone in our autonomy. So we need a better theology, a bigger, more inclusive way. I like how even the dude knows that. And I really wanted to show that dumb little clip, but there's like 50 F words in like 30 seconds. Um, but he, you know, he says this when the expert bowlers show up and are like trash talking him, um, threatening to destroy him and his friends. He says that opinions aren't necessarily the truth. And I would add that because of Jesus, they don't need to make us enemies. I've been practicing this with my dad over the past few years. My dad and I have opposite opinions on almost everything, but we have a good relationship. And in fact, we took a trip to Italy last together last year and to see his hometown, and it wasn't, it was kind of fun. And my siblings were so amazed. When I got home, they took me aside and they were like, how did you do it? Like, how did you not just argue the whole time? And I said, well, number one, I was in Italy. So how mad can you be when you're in Italy? But, but secondly, I think that the love of Christ in our community really is getting to me. It's really starting to sink into my bones. And um, my dad kept saying that to me, too. Like, he would say, you're so calm and patient now. And you didn't used to be. And I thought, that really is Jesus. Jesus... <laughs> demonstrating that people are more valuable than their opinions. You know, Jesus is literally demonstrating this with his life, that, that people are more valuable than their opinions, that he, he's, making, he's making a way for us with his very body, this self-giving love. And we're going to have um, an opportunity to, to um, eat that, symbolic meal um, tonight in worship. He is making a way, a more inclusive way. It's not the wisdom of the world. I, I want to just, we don't have time to read it, but I want to just show you the, um, the, the rest of that chapter where Paul starts out talking about, I came to you in weakness and vulnerability. He goes on to say, God's wisdom is so mysterious. It is so beyond these systems of hierarchy and entitlements and individualism. This new way that Jesus is, is doing gives us his mind and his, his own mind and his spirit. This is kind of the 
this is like the mind-blowing conclusion that Paul makes that, that we have the mind of Christ. Not only is Jesus doing this, but we can do it too. We can be unified in spite of all of our differences. We can actually love each other. In the midst of all of our opinions, we can actually find common ground in Christ. We don't just have to fight about everything all day long. We can actually build something together. Even if we've offended each other deeply, we can be reconciled. Um, And this is the mark of the body of Christ that continues to amaze me. Reconciliation, unity, and self-giving love that keeps crossing the border. Jesus keeps crossing the border into enemy territory. And I think for us, that's like when other people have opinions that just deeply threaten our own. We can cross the border toward them anyway with Jesus. We were doing that this week um, with each other in making our budget. I want to tell you a quick story. I, I don't know if you know how the budget creation process works among us, but it is so different than how corporations make budgets that it just kind of amazes me anew every year because it could be such a big, huge, divisive mess. We have it online, so it's important to us to be super transparent about every little line item. But I'm telling you this right now so that you'll actually get involved in helping us make our budget. We, we actually need you. Money isn't just a practical thing. I think money is a really heart thing. It's a deeply spiritual thing. We, we, spend, we all spend money on w- what we care about. And I think even talking about it gets to some of our fears and um, insecurities about how we're going to get our needs met. That's the real that's real spiritual stuff. And I think that's um, when we can sort of open that up to Jesus. We are really talking about power, about love and about spiritual power. So anyway, we have lots of people involved in making the budget for that reason. And um, the capacity core team gets it going now and the staff help. Um, but we could fight about any number of things with so many, like, owners of our system, right? Like, right down to, like, why was the water bill so high in this building this month? Or, yeah, I don't think it was. But, like, who's leaving the lights on that the, you know, that the electric bill is higher? And, you know, lots of different views about how much we should budget for outreach. There's just a million things we could fight about. This week there was a conflict, there was some confusion and anger and hurt feelings about who was doing what and making the decisions and wasting other people's time who thought they were supposed to do the job. But instead of throwing in the towel, the people who had this conflict decided to try and understand each other, even in spite of their diff- different languages. Um, or different wording for things. They tried to understand each other instead of just having like a power struggle about their 
deeply held opinions. And that, that is the mind of Christ. That is Jesus. That is the way that builds community. It took a lot of humility and dialogue, but they did it. And, and we're committed to that way. None of our opinions are sovereign. We all need feedback. And so we're, we're putting ourselves in, a, in the vulnerable position to like receive that feedback from each other. It's hard sometimes. Um, but I think we don't need to just put all our energy into like protecting ourselves from having a conflict or making a mess because like Gwen was describing with the story of Lazarus, like the mess, even death, is like God's territory, God's favorite zone to work in, to do something impossible. The whole incarnation was a mess. You know, God, God would have never taken on a human body, I think, if he wasn't committed to the impossibility of love coming out of conflict and and even getting revealed and strengthened in conflict. So I'm so glad that they risked the conflict by having their opinions and talking to each other. I think we could spend most of our lives just avoiding messes so that we don't offend each other and never get to the revelation of the Son of God because we don't have a situation where where Jesus needs to save us again. You know, he reached right into death to show us the level of mess that he can bring together. So these capacity team members, um, one of them is sitting right here, Kyle, I just have to call her out. She demonstrated that it is better to be reconciled than to be right. I don't know who was right or wrong, but she she did that thing that Jesus is doing where you where you like give up your commitment to your opinion completely and you decide to love instead. And I, I think we should do that. I think we should if we can love somebody, that's better. So this is one of my favorite Proverbs. And in order for the reconciliation to happen, we, we, we try to keep practicing Matthew 18, which is this little process that Jesus gives us where if, we're, if we have a conflict, um, we talk to that person. We go directly Jesus is saying, go directly to that person instead of ghosting them, which is real easy to do, or talking to 10 other people about them, or what else could we do? We could just sit on it for 10 years and stew and hope it goes away. That never works either. Jesus is saying, love them enough, value them enough to go to them and not just see them as their opinion, but as a person so that we can keep building something together. Um, and I think we can rely we can rely on the Spirit of God in us to keep uh, providing more love 
and insight than we even have right now in this moment. And, and then what happens is like we're, we're able to kind of host the whole world like Jesus does. You know, we see, we're going to take his body as, as a host. And I was thinking about that the other week when I was in here with the South Philly Food Co-op and the room was just packed. They, they use our space for free and, um, we love having them and they're doing great things. There was this moment where a large AA group that also uses our space twice a week was coming in. They're called the kitchen table. They were coming in like before the food co-op was done. So it was this potentially like conflictual moment. But it wasn't conflictual because everybody was nice to each other and they were meeting each other and saying hi. And um, the food co-op people were even asking if they could help us with our window gala. And it was this it was this moment where I was like, okay, Jesus is doing something so much bigger by us just hosting our little part of the world as we can. Um, he is he is creating some bigger reconciliation than we than we can even hold or fully understand. He's doing he's doing something big with what we can offer. So I hope we keep working at it, even through conflicts, because the world needs this kind of togetherness, this kind of generosity that can just be a host for the goodness that God could do. I think it's rare. You know, it's it's too rare because the world is full of cutoffs. And I, I think you know this if you've been cut off, probably all of us. It's so common now to be cut off in relationships. But it's painful if we just let individual opinions rule the world we, we get that, we see that situation happening. And so we need the self-giving love of Christ to be greater than, than our own opinions, even sometimes, as brilliant as they are. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect dropdown at circleofhope.net.